Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit magnagrip.com. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, Comfortable and powered with the strength of Enforce technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforce technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to Fire Service Court Radio or Blog Talk Radio. Um, today we're, uh, we have um, Kurt Verone from uh, Providence, Rhode Island, who has a storied history in law and the fire service and is still pretty active uh, in the fire service locally. And myself, um, retired deputy fire chief and attorney at law. And uh, usually Brad Pinsky um, from New York does the introduction, but uh, he's not going to be able to join us tonight. Or today, and then uh, the other one we're waiting for is um, uh, Chip Comstock from Ohio. Um, he said he's traveling on a meeting somewhere in Ohio. He may or may not join us, but we hope that he does because I think the topic that we're going to be talking about today is very interesting. And um, and I'm going to let Kurt sort of do the opener, and then we'll um, we'll start talking. All right. Well, I got a question from uh, a gentleman. And I think the the question, the the issues in the question go beyond just the facts that he's raising. Okay. So I think that's an important thing to consider. But I'll give you the context in which the question came up. Gentleman is a psychologist um, who specializes in giving police and fire psychological evaluations for hiring. And also, Later in people's careers, there may be reasons why uh, he has to do those uh, psyche valves, um, you know, for for stress related and incident related things as well. But at any rate, um, he asked me a question about uh, the legalities associated with um, a department that hires part time firefighters. And then when it comes time to hire full-time firefighters, they hire from among the ranks of the part-timers, which I think is fairly common in in many jurisdictions, okay? But his concern is um, what happens when someone has been a part-time employee for a number of years and and done it apparently successfully. Now they're going for full-time employment. And in order to put them through a, a psych eval, you have to make a conditional offer of the of the job to them. That's really a, a requirement that you you do that. And so you make the conditional offer, they go through the psyche valve, and um, the psychologist uh, is saying, this person should not be a firefighter uh, for whatever reason. There may be safety reasons for the member. There may be um, concerns about their psychological well-being uh, and maybe... Um, 
a liability for the organization as well. And, and we don't really need to get into the specifics of it. But the bottom line is what happens when someone has been performing the job, then now they're going for a full-time job and the psychologist says, gives them the thumb down, okay? Um, and now we're not going to hire them. Does that open the department up um, to liability? And it raises questions like, can they continue as a part-timer? Or now do we have to, you know, it just, it raises a lot of different questions. So um, I gave him my two cents, but John, I'm interested to hear yours. And I was hoping maybe Chip or Brad would be able to chime in here and we get some different perspectives on it. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and you probably like I, when we came into the fire service, we went through a psychological evaluation, which was part of that, you know, conditional offer and the medical, physical and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, a long time ago, and I'm, I'm dating myself, but I went through, <laughs> yeah, went there my grandson thinks that I was in the civil war, not Vietnam. <laughs> Um, you know, the psychologist would tell us everything. I mean, it would like, you know, Murphy is a, you know, whatever, and is not a good fit, but he'd go through a whole litany of, the, you know, the parade of horribles, why you shouldn't hire Murphy. And then over time, because of the confidentiality issues and the HIPAA thing, and you know, more regulations came in, we got the sort of low risk, medium risk, high risk of, um, you know, do we want to actually hire this particular employee? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's, you know, the information gathered by the psychologist became sort of privileged medical be, information yeah. that was mm -hmm, pretty much held by the psychologist. And sometimes we'd get people coming and we didn't hire them and they say, well, why not? And we, you know, really can't answer that because of the information. Um, and we always say, well, you need to go talk to the psychologist. Here's his name and number. And the psychologist would say, I'm not going to tell him anything. It's not, you paid for the test. This is your examination, um, the fire department, and um, I'm not privileged. I, you know, I'm not in a position to tell that person who's not even your employee anything about the outcomes of the test. So we never got challenged, and uh, and I think it's been a pretty good system. We had uh, one year where the fire chief decided he wanted to save some money in the budget, and he decided not to do any psychological testing on anybody. And so um, of the nine or 10 people that we hired, we fired 10, nine or 10, because they just were poor fits. And so um, we got to, I think one of the things maybe we ought to talk about is why do we do the psychological mm -hmm. evaluations, right? And then um, do we do psychologicals on, you know, part paid or volunteer combo department, uh, part-time uh, members, uh, knowing full well that at some point, there are going to be, you know, part of that sort of hiring process. There are potential candidates. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, does the department want to do everything they can on the front end in order to eliminate, you know, we can't hire you because you didn't pass the psychological or the medical fitness or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, one of the things is that um, we need to take a look at what the existing standard is under the NFPA 1582. There's a section in there talking about psychological exams, but that generally is for uh, career firefighters in, in organizations. It really doesn't affect the volunteer unless the department basically takes the 1582 standard and all of the components that are in there, adopt them into their organization, and then says, well, these standards apply 
for the new volunteer or even the new, obviously the new career people and even our, our part-time. So I think we have to take a look at the, you know, what the department's policy is. The other, the other part of that is, um, and I know that, you know, when we were talking about this a little earlier, you were alluding to the fact that now you have a part-time firefighter in your organization. They're on the hit list to be promoted into full-time position. They have to go through the psychological and legal, I'm sorry, the psychological and medical physical under that conditional offer. offer. And now we find out that they're not qualified. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, like, do they revert back to their former position? Now we know what we know. And or are they, you know, basically taken off the response list and off our organization's employee list and, you know, kind of they don't work for us anymore. Mm. And so, the, you know, the, I think the legal part is, have, have has he been challenged by anybody? Or is he trying to prevent this? Litigation? He's trying to. He it was a it was a situation where uh, I guess he's used to dealing with police departments, and police don't usually have part timers. Um, I guess some departments do, but he said this was more of a problem with some of the fire departments that he had recently been hired to do, where they have these part timers, and he just says this is crazy that they're they're waiting until somebody is going for a full time job to give them the psychological that if you're going to do it at all. You're going to you need to do it at the front side. And he was asking me, what are the liability implications of doing it where they're doing it? And I said, well, I mean, you're a psychologist, but you're obviously a very smart person (laughs) and you you realize uh, the bind. You don't have to be a lawyer to realize the bind that the fire department puts itself in um, on a couple of different levels, because and you kind of raise it. And to me, we could we could talk about this in terms of it being a medical exam as well, where you hire part-time firefighters, you don't put them through a medical exam, but then when you're going to hire them full-time, you do. And now you see that somebody's got maybe a heart condition, uh, maybe a congenital heart condition. Uh, Can you allow them to continue as volunteers or part-timers once you've recognized that, once you once you identify that, so I think the, you're right in terms of 1582. There's a there's a connection there, but I think with the psychological, there's a stigma uh, also that it makes it difficult to talk about it. Makes it difficult, like psychologists don't want to talk about it. I'm sure, the member doesn't want to talk about it. The chief is like, uh, I want nothing to do with this, uh, and it puts everybody in a very uh, very awkward um, position. So uh, being that you're the, the researcher on our team of lawyers, mm-hmm. has there been any uh, cases out there that have sort of pointed him or us or you in the right direction to give him some answers? Um, not really. Not, not that I see. Um, I, I haven't seen any on point. I'd have to go back and query the database, uh, but um, I, I don't recall any off the top of my head. Psychological disabilities at least in my database, I, I, I can't speak for, you know, uh, other industries, but in terms of the fire department, the number one disability under the uh, ADA is psychological disabilities. So of all the cases, I think I have like 100 cases, probably somewhere around 40 of them uh, would be psychological disabilities. And then the rest of them kind of spread out with back injuries, knee injuries, and, and heart and kidneys and, and so on. But psychological is the biggest. 
uh, but I don't recall any with this particular issue. And I can see this, it, be, it can become an issue where the person doesn't get hired and sues because they didn't get hired. It could be an issue where um, we go to, we not only don't hire the person, but we tell them you can't be a volunteer or, or part-timer anymore. And they sue because of that. They say, fine, you don't want me as a full-timer, but you've got to at least keep me as a part-timer. And then I can see, think about this. What if the person happened to be a, uh, an, have antisocial personality disorder? Uh, antisocial personality disorder are uh, folks who are, you know, very likely to steal and rob and, and, you know, do some inappropriate things. And people with that condition shouldn't be firefighters uh, because they're going to be in a position where they can steal and rob. So, let's say they they diagnose with antisocial personality disorder and we keep him as a part-timer and then two years later he's been stealing from patients stealing from other firefighters and then somebody's gonna say you knew you knew the person had a propensity to do this and you didn't do anything so the whole thing is loaded with potential liabilities here and why right. and why it's because the fire department didn't do it at the front end and I think that was my yeah. advice to him. You really, if you're going to do psychological exams, you need to do it at the front end. For everybody. For, for everybody. Absolutely. You can't just, well, right. well I think he's yeah. got to go, but he doesn't. No, you, it's got to be for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, you bring up an interesting point on the disability side, because I know that um, many states, when they have a presumptive illness, um, certainly psychological disabilities are part of that process, although it's very, very, like in our state, it's very difficult to prove that you, um, your presumptive illness is psychology-based. Um, and in some states, and I know that in our states, our volunteers are, interestingly enough, um, have a pension mm -hmm. that they can collect at the end of whatever their term of, of um, service is. Not, you know, it's not like a career guy, but it's it's something, it's a modest okay. amount. So the... So, you guys no, too? no. I so is it enough for a car payment? You know, uh, when you no, 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 not even enough. It pays for a bad case pay of Bud White, Bud White cable TV. <laughs> in your old age, but you know, like in Kurt's, not, not in, but in um, Brad's neck of the woods, you know, they have a LOSAP yeah. program, um, and that you know. So the question is, you know, are they quote unquote? And I'll you know do the quotation marks. Are they em covered employees? you know, based on that they do receive a pension. And so is that construed as a benefit that could lend itself to them filing a presumptive illness disability claim being the, the fact that now they can't pass the psychological exam. So now you have a whole cadre of volunteers that may not be able to pass the psychological exam and now they're applying for a disability. Hmm. And I don't have an answer for that, but I you brought up an interesting interesting question and maybe brad would be better positioned to answer it but well you know you, you, you he the, the gentleman who contacted me did bring up the issue of a disability and uh, psychological disability and so if you think about the time frame so person gets hired uh, as a part-timer and they put in a year or two years or three years they have may have gone to some traumatic incidents uh and so how do you say whether or not their current mental status when they're going to get hired full time hasn't been affected by what they were exposed to on the job. So then there would be a job, potentially a job connection 
when they end up being turned down for the full-time job because of injuries they sustained or trauma they sustained. So, and it, it, maybe it's a stretch, it might be a stretch to try to make that case, but certainly, I mean, we're required, if we're representing that young firefighter who's been turned down, um, we're required to zealously represent them. And those are facts that we may use depending on what condition they have. Um, we we would use those facts and, and argue that, you know, uh, how much of their current mental status has been affected by the incidents that they responded to while they were part-timers. And, right. and I, I don't know isn't a good enough answer for the courts. You know, we've got to, you know, we, we've got to, you know, tie the knots there. So bring in experts yeah. in. I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, being married to a psychologist and we do talk psychologically, psychobabble, I call it. But, you know, when Beth and I have a conversation about certain things and names shall go unnamed, you know, we talk about, you know, the exams that are done at the time are snapshots yeah. in time. So they basically can record what happened prior. So if there's a history of alcoholism or drug abuse or, you know, child abuse or, you know, for the veterans, um, you know, may they have PTS and that's already in the, you know, kind of loaded into their um, framework. And so you kind of, you take a look at the, where they've been, where they are, what's happening like today. And I think that, you know, you bring up a good point is that, you know, when, if you do a, a two years after they become a volunteer and then all of a sudden they're in the queue to be hired as a, as a full-time firefighter and you do the psychological exam, you're going to pick up everything that they've had before they came in and then while they were in. And if they're unqualified to come in, is it because of their experiences as a firefighter that they had? And, you know, should the department take that into consideration when hiring, um, you know, people that may be, you know, low to medium risk, which happens. I mean, there's, you know, we've done that and it seemed to work out pretty good. Um, but, you know, is, is the department's policies and process um, allowing them to bring people in? And, and I think that, you know, the psychologists that you're talking to, you know, the, the department's putting them out on the thin limb on what his obligations are, you know, and his obligations are to the department. They're not obligations to the members, right. um, but he needs to make sure that the department is protected. And if the chips fall saying that this person is high risk, then, you know, only by the grace of God, there wasn't an event while he was there. And personally, as a former fire chief, I'd let him go. Right. And let, and I'm he's a really good guy though. He's a really good guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but Jeffrey Dahmer may have been a good guy too, except he had a little quirk about, you know, torturing small animals and killing people. So um, I, I think we need to be careful about, yeah, I, I, How we characterize good guys know. in in uh, in our profession because yeah. <laughs> we're good guys too. The, but the, I, I will tell you one, one conversation that I did have with him, um, and and uh, you know I think that I was looking more out for him because it's really not his fight. It is it's going to be a fight between the employee who didn't get hired, the, the applicant, and the fire department, the fire chief. So it, that's going to be the battle. And my point to him is that, you know, you can advise the fire department not to do it that way. But at the end of the day, it's their thing. But from your perspective, you're going to end up having to testify. So what I would recommend is your agreement with the fire department is I'm going to do the psych eval for X dollars. 
And then if for any reason I have to testify or I have to be involved in this case, depositions or whatever, here's my hourly rate and you agree to pay my hourly rate. <laughs> okay. Because, and, and that may be enough to make the chief go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> We're yeah. headed for a problem here. Maybe we need to rethink that. But I think that, and that's what I said, you know, as a psychologist, you, you know, you have a right to be paid for it. The problem can be, and if you don't have that in your agreement, he may be called in as a fact witness. <laughs> and, and we know the difference yes. between a fact witness and an expert witness. An expert witness is entitled to compensation for their opinion. A fact witness has to come in and testify because they saw something that's relevant to the case. And, you know, he could be called in as a fact witness. Now, you could also say, he, you know, and I think in good faith, he could make an argument that even though he's being called in as a fact witness, it's for his professional opinion. So he should be compensated. But best bet in this scenario, I said, is you got to go back and work on that agreement. So if you do any in the future, you're going to get paid by the hour. And hopefully that will be enough to cue in the chief so that the chief understands, boy, there is there is a potential for litigation here. And perhaps we need to do it a little differently. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's a hell of a good idea. I think the other thing, too, is that you know, if I was the fire chief, if I was that fire chief and I, my, you know, professional employee, the psychologist saw like for, forecasting what could possibly happen, I'd be talking to the fire chief and say, look, you know, we need to change how we're bringing people in uh, to our organization from the bottom up, regardless of whether they're not career. Um, and we need to test everybody. You know, you know, the fire chief is going to say, well, shit, all you want is more money. <laughs> You know, to do testing on 50 more people. But I, I think in the long run, and, and uh, you know, it's like it would be a rare occurrence, I think, that uh, we'd have this sort of legal scenario. Mm -hmm. But I think that uh, um, it would protect the, not only the psychologists on a legal basis and also the department on a legal basis, but it would sort of weed out the, the people that may never be able to be on um, on the fire department as a full-time employee. And if that's the aim or the goal of the fire department is to sort of cultivate this sort of garden full of firefighters and then pop the one out of the ground and then bring them on board, uh, they're, they're pretty much all ready to go. Mm -hmm. You know, on, a, on, a, on the same side is that, you know, if you have somebody that you've had as a volunteer for, say, five or six years, and then all of a sudden you're going to bring him on board and he fails the medical physical, um, you know, is, is the scenario the same? I mean, is, mm -hmm. is there, because he had heart disease or diabetes or hypertension or, you know, a hundred of other things that are in the standard. Now does, does that set up the scenario? Well, you know, now I have a medical disease. Did I get it as a firefighter or did I get it because, you know, I drink a lot of beer and I have a horrible lifestyle and, I smoke cigarettes and, you know, I'll, I'll, it, where's the blame? Where's the legal, you know, where's the legal train stop here? Yeah. There's some crossover there on the medical side, on the, the purely medical and the psychological side. Um, and, you know, one of the yeah. things, you know, I've been studying psychology now for a couple of years. And um, one of the things I'm amazed at is uh, the confirmation bias among psychologists. Uh, if you have a, a psychologist that focuses on treating people with anxiety and depression, they tend to diagnose people with anxiety and depression. And if you have somebody else right. who tends to treat PTSD, 
the same person has PTSD. And if you have somebody who specializes in personality disorders, the, the same person has all these different conditions. It'd be like if a medical doctor, you have somebody who specializes in viruses, uh, treat somebody with a lung condition saying, oh, you have a virus and somebody does cancer says, oh, no, you've got cancer. And somebody who emphasizes uh, emphysema, <laughs> does it die? you can't have all three of them, you know, I mean, pick, pick one, right. but it, it, it can't just be what your what your specialty is, you know, and, and I see that as a problem. It kind of concerns me about psychology. Um, that um, much more so than medicine. I know you're really, you know, focused on medicine, but um, we d you don't see that. You don't see somebody come in and, and say, oh, oh, that man has a broken leg. Oh, no, he's got bone cancer of the leg. You know, oh, no, he's got arthritis. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, yeah. It's more definitive. Of course, well, with I know the brain, it's I... not like that. No. And I know that when I talk to my in-house psychologist, yeah. it's, I agree with that. I think there is some confirmation bias. And I think, you know, the, we have a tendency to focus on our strong points and, and our specialty area. And I, and I, you know, you kind of can take this back to where, you know, every kid in elementary school has ADHD <laughs> and now they all want to be on Ritalin and other, you know, medications. Um, because I think that, you know, I have a bias, a personal bias on that, but I think that, you know, the teachers want to teach to the sort of the middle ground and not to the exceptional or not to the, the you know the poorly performing so they try to squeeze everybody into a box and you know we can teach the box i mean you're you're you have a member of your family who's a, a teacher and um you know i th i think that there's you know you could ask that question and say is that a trend in the industry and uh and i think that again i agree with you i think that there is confirmation bias and that's probably why you need to have like if this uh, psychologist is a generalist, a general psychologist, and doesn't specify any particular discipline, you know, he treats trauma or he treats addictive diseases or drug abusers or whatever, um, and you have somebody in the middle of the road, you, you're probably good based on the testing part. You'd have, you know, pretty much a neutral person that could do a fair job in evaluating these firefighters coming in and let the testing mechanism determine the psychosis or the lack thereof, and and just you know go with that after maybe a little bit of testing after that. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing too is that um, you know I, just as we're on the matter of testing, we're seeing a lot of veterans coming in uh, to our service, and and um, you know the veterans that I see in my clinic, my medical clinic, um, they're all on disability. You know they're getting treated by the VA. They have a disability rating. And, um, and so, you know, so the question is, is it a physical disability or is it a mental disability? And I know that, um, you know, some of those, um, military who have, um, worked in the combat zone, either as infantrymen or whatever their jobs were, um, there, there are some psych, psychologic, psychologic issues with them. And I think our industry needs to recognize that, um, for what it is and be ready to, you know, to treat those members coming into the organization. Um, you know, and, and so, so my question, I guess, to you and the psychologist would be, you know, are there veterans that are, you know, part of the volunteer cadre and on the PTS, are they going to spike, uh, on that particular, um, test, uh, based on their, their prior experience? And then does that make them ineligible to be a member of the organization where they may be a perfectly 
functioning member, uh, even with, you know, the diagnosis of PTS. That's It's a fair question, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, um, the research I've seen, um, suggests that, um, PTSD, um, some people are more susceptible to PTSD than others. And, And that it raises a question about, um, if, if, on the evaluation, you determine this person doesn't have PTSD, but they're more susceptible to PTSD than another candidate. Does that give you grounds to deny them uh, the, the position? And I've heard people say that without without really thinking it through. They say, oh, well, if we know that somebody can't handle the the rigors of the job, they shouldn't be hired. But now, what if they really want the job? And, uh, you know, uh, you can't say because you got this particular score on this particular test, you're, you're going to get PTSD. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a disconnect and you know, our brains are, are incredible, but we still, I think we're closer to the beginning of understanding how they work than to the end of fully understanding uh, how they work. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't yeah. think we're anywhere near really fully understanding uh, everything. No, no. But getting back to our lawyer's mm-hmm. opinion of what this guy should do, I, you know, again, I think that um, there's jeopardy there. Yeah. Oh, right? absolutely. Jeopardy. And, um, you know, I think he's probably not in a position to solve this by himself. Yeah. And he probably needs to get the fire chief on board or whoever mm-hmm. saying, you know, we need to change our approach to all of our people that we're bringing mm-hmm. on. And we need to test everyone to eliminate the potential liability. You don't- and if there is a lawsuit, you know, um, you're right. They're going to sue the department. Yeah, but on what basis? Is it because I have a psychological disability or as I denied an opportunity, you know, to, to um, come on board? Um, you know, no, there's another thing that we've, we've I, I meant to bring it up before. And I think it's something that so many fire departments are struggling with today is that you can't get enough applicants and you, you're desperate to hire people. Um, and then that can cause you to bring people into the organization that maybe uh, aren't at the level that we're used to having people come in at. And um, that can that can create a problem where somebody's saying, well, you know what, we're going to get rid of all testing. We, you know, we, <laughs> if you want to work for us, we'll bring you in. We, you know, we're, we're not really going to even put you through psychological testing. It's too much of a headache. I don't think that's the answer either, because now you may be occasionally buying a lawsuit at the front end when you turn somebody down. But if you hire the wrong person, I can point to people in different fire departments across the country. They, these people are responsible for numerous lawsuits in the department. And the problem was they were hired in the first place. <laughs> they should not have been hired. Right. And, you know, if they had, if they had had a rigorous psychological exam, they would have never been hired. The department wouldn't have had six, eight, ten or more lawsuits during the course of this person's career. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I've had that experience myself and, and I think that, you know, not only did we bring in the wrong person, but the department doesn't have enough horsepower or stones or whatever you want to call it to let them go. Yeah. Cause they either throw a race card down, you're firing me cause I'm Hispanic or I'm black or I'm a mm-hmm. woman and, or, you know, other people have done this. I mean, that's the excuse we get. And why are you punishing me? And I'm going to file a lawsuit against you because you singled me out and I'm a black firefighter, you know, or whatever. Or whatever, right. It, it could be a lot of other things. So, 
Yeah. Uh, so, well, I wish the other so, guys were here to help us out and have a good discussion on this, but uh, yeah, I think we made the so what's our advice to our, our psychological, our psychologists? Well, my, my, my very candidly, thing. I told them, look, I said, it's not your fight. Your dog's not in that fight. Um, but I, I said, you want to make sure that, you know, you understand you will be called as a witness. You are going to be called as a witness uh, in, in a case like that. And you want to make sure that you're going to be able to be compensated for it. And by putting that in your agreement and, you know, this one, this case that he had call me about probably by the board. So that's that's by the boards. But going forward, you want to make sure that your agreement with the fire department is that they're going to pay you X for doing the exam. And then right. you're going to be paid hourly if you're called in and you're challenged on it. And if they don't want to pay you for the rest of that, they just want to pay you for the uh, exam, you say, uh, you know, I'm not willing to do it because I know not every exam I do is going to lead to a lawsuit, but a certain percentage of them is going to lead to a lawsuit and I can't be working for free. Yeah. It's, and then the other part of that is that, you know, um, the plaintiff will bring in their own expert. Yep, witness. Absolutely. And so I, you know, and I, I, and you and I work as expert witnesses and, you know, we, we favor the sort of the client sometimes, sometimes we'll tell the client just to settle because it's like crazy stuff. And, but I think that, you know, the psychology aspect of it is that probably if it was a jury trial, it would bamboozle the jury as to all the psycho babble talk that's going on. And, and what's the real issue? You know, the real issue is he was evaluated as not being a good fit for the organization. They had standardized tests, but, you know, the American Psychological Association has approved. I mean, all of those sort of, you can count them off on your fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just creates, uh, you know, a horrible legal situation for the psychologist and certainly a horrible legal situation for the for the fire department as well in this hiring. Yeah, process. and you're much better off have it at the front end, you know, before you make somebody a part-time firefighter. I think you're right. He he led me to believe that it was part-time employees, not volunteers, but you're absolutely right. We're, we're, we have a much lower threshold for admitting volunteers than we do for employees. But I think if you're actually hiring and paying employees, you probably, if you, you had the, the choice, give them that psychological exam when you first hire them as part-time employees. Don't wait until you go into full-time employees to do it. You can give them another one if you want to, but make sure you do it at the front end. Good, solid advice. And I think Mrs. Pinsky would approve <laughs> She might that. be listening. She might, th- she might have thought that uh, Brad was going to be with us. So. <laughs> Brad is out playing somewhere in New York doing his thing. So, so anyway, um, anything no, else? That's that's Kurt? glad to be here with that's you. That's a good one. That was a great. One. That was a good one. That was that. Well, I think that will stick with our audience, and we'll probably get lots of questions. So, um, with that, we're going to wrap this up. Um, for all of those psychologists out there, uh, feel free to call Kurt Barone <laughs> for a free legal advice on <laughs> administering psychological um, tests to people. Uh, you're more than welcome to call me. Just shoot the bull if you so choose. And um, I, we all appreciate you being, uh, you know, witnessing this uh, legal advice, uh, which we do periodically uh, under the new format, which I, I, like, I like. I like I think it. It's kind of cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe next time we'll get our other two cohorts on, uh, Brad Pinsky and um, Chip Comstock. Uh, Chip Comstock. Yep. And, uh, and without further ado, um, be safe out there and we'll, we'll see you the next time.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.